0: Welcome to Edge a podcast discussing the hot issues in Scottish education. In this episode, we feature an interview with Fergal Kelly
1: on the subject of teacher leadership. We also have our regular features in the news
0: we recommend and inspired by. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and you can also read our blog at edubleather.wordpress.com. In the news this episode... The GTCS opposes its proposed successor. So this is the news
1: that the General Teaching Council for Scotland is to be replaced by an Education Workforce Council for Scotland. And instead of just um, remaining uh, with teachers as being the registered people, it would also be enhanced to community learning and development practitioners, classroom assistants, librarians, college lecturers, link officers, and also our early year practitioners. And this is being faced with some resistance um, and there's a worry that teachers' standards and the focus on the teaching profession would be lost because we would have to um, consider all the other practitioners involved in delivering Scottish education.
0: There's also a record number of poorer students have been found to be entering the top universities, Uh, that's a 67% increase from 2012. This obviously speaks volumes towards our aspiration to reduce the attainment gap, and these are really interesting statistics. However, I think it's still alarming that just one out of every 25 students at these top establishments are from disadvantaged or poorer backgrounds, so there's still a huge gap there and a, a lot of work for us to be doing.
1: And our last news item is around the EIS's 10 for 10 campaign for a 10% pay rise for Scottish teachers in the 2018 pay claim. And this campaign focuses around value education and value teachers. And if you look at the EIS's website, you will see 10 reasons for a 10% pay claim.
0: Our main feature this episode is our interview with Fergal Kelly. He is the lead specialist for teacher leadership at SCEL, the Scottish College for Educational Leadership. Fergal was also the driving force behind the creation of Pedagoo, a collaborative blog where teachers can share their learning. Fergal has a passion for supporting teachers to develop and share their practice. Fergal was knowledgeable, enthusiastic, and inspiring throughout this interview, and he was the obvious choice for our episode that focuses on teacher leadership. So
1: um, we now invite Virgo Kelly, who is the lead specialist um, for Scottish College for Educational Leadership. And your focus is teacher leadership, Virgo. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. And you're also behind the Pedagogy movement. which uh, is I was, not anymore. Okay. Uh, So you set it up and helped to to develop that, is that right? Yeah. Um, And congratulations for your probably biggest achievement is you, this week, have been our biggest fan of the week on (laughs) EduBleather. Thank you so much. (laughs) The biggest accolade, probably. um, Along (laughs) with the GTCS and Joyce Matthews. um, So, well done on that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, Without further ado, we'll get into our first question, which is, "What does teacher leadership mean to you?" I think it's a it's a it's a
2: good question because it sort of dominates my life. That question, um, and you know, it, I've had to develop a snappy reply, but I think <laughs> the the honest answer is that it's still ongoing and still developing. Um, before I came to this job, mm-hmm. I was a classroom teacher, a biology teacher mm-hmm. in East Lothian. And the honest truth is that's not a phrase that I would have used in reference to myself okay. at the time. Uh-huh. Um, looking back, I, I, I'm surprised at myself. But at that time, leadership to me meant promoted posts. Yeah, And there's a whole language in education around getting into leadership mm-hmm. and leadership positions. And I think I had, uh, and I'm not alone on this. I know know this from talking to loads of teachers. I, I had that had gone into my brain as being leadership, being promoted posts, and I was not in a promoted post, uh-huh. and therefore I was not in leadership, not interested in leadership, um, and and. And sort of embarrassed to be honest. Now looking back, and I've, my 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 perception has changed quite substantially. And not because actually, when I look back, what was I was doing? I was doing lots around developing my practice. Um, I was really always trying to improve my practice through inquiry, in particular. I was very willing to share that with others. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very keen to lead professional learning, um, both within my school, but also I could see that. Um, social media had created a potential mm-hmm. for new forms of professional learning communities, sure. and was keen to capitalise on that. <laughs> and now I would define those things as teacher leadership. So it's a it's primarily a focus on you developing your practice that meets the needs for your learners, mm-hmm. and doing that in a way that um, looks out so that you're evidence informed. And you gather evidence of the, of you, the learning that has resulted from what you've been doing there and then being willing to share that with others. I think those are the co- co- core components sure. of teacher leadership and um, and it's but it's not uh, it, it's, a, it's taken me a while to get a handle on that on that word leadership and begin to realize that it can not only, Is available for classroom teachers to use in reference to their work. But actually, by doing so, it sort of enhances that. And I think if I'd been thinking about what I was doing as leadership, I think I would have done it better Uh instead of sort of trying to stay away from that concept, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And do you think, you know, that what you mentioned there about that um, teacher leadership being about um, being in a promoted post, do you think that was a barrier for people to say, well, this is me? leading in my classroom or leading people learning because they were very clear that they weren't in a promoted post and do you think we're beginning to break that barrier down that leadership yeah I mean I think it's a barrier to I mean I don't think it's a barrier to doing interesting
2: stuff and developing
1: practice sure
2: on reflection I think it's a barrier to if you're not thinking of it as leadership then that's it's it's fine to some extent, but it limits the learning that you can do mm-hmm. as a result. I mean, I think in particular, one of my um, one of the things that I lacked as a result of not thinking of it as leadership is thinking about the long term sustainability of the things that I was doing. Sure. So I wasn't massively thinking about other practitioners and t- taking them with me, and and how could this become. The way the the coherent experience for all learners, Mm -hmm. I was a little bit fixated on on my own practice Mm -hmm. and trying to trailblaze. But actually, on reflection, I wonder really what was the long term benefit of that? Because not only did the young people I was teaching at that time get a very different experience just the next year, you know, when they had a different teacher, but also, you know, it, that I probably the, what the, the approaches I was taking at that time probably didn't spread in the way that they might have done if I'd been thinking of it in terms of leadership and what leadership learning is going on here. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, and yeah. I, I think I mean one of the things I've uh, I think is that we've kind of overcomplicated the the term leadership, and it you see all these leadership books and yeah. seven styles of leadership and eight domains of leadership and. Mm-hmm. I think they're really helpful for some people, and I don't doubt that. But I think for busy classroom teachers, that whole world is quite off-putting, yeah. um, because it's difficult to translate that into your into your working life, and difficult to see how that's going to make your life better, yeah, um, and 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 improve the lives of your young people. And so I think that there's a that sort of overcomplication
1: of the term has made it off-putting to yeah. some extent. And I think, in terms of the social media aspect that you mentioned, that's much more accessible, and it's you know quicker to access. There's a wider network, and that's probably more accessible than than some of the books that you've mentioned in terms of our classroom teachers. I yeah,
2: I mean, there's a there's a there was a tweet earlier just actually while I was waiting uh-huh. from a participant on the teacher leadership program. Uh huh. She was saying something along the lines of the beauty of programs like that is that it connects you with other people, you know, so the approach they're taking in their school is not being massively uh, um, followed or there's not a huge amount of interest from that person's school, Mm -hmm. but there's using the the program uses blogging heavily. And so by having that community of of people, you can have that collaboration and growth. Um, And and that's why I got into social media was that sort of, it was before Twitter, it was when yeah. blogging was just beginning, that kind of collaborate, collaborative group that, um, beyond your school,
1: yeah. is, is really potentially quite powerful. Sure. And in terms of, you know, making things accessible for teachers, in terms of teacher leadership, if we look at the GTCS standards and also how good is our school, that's littered with phrases about teachers being the owners of learning and leadership of learning. Do you think those help with with the kind of case to get more teachers um, learning about their role?
2: I think they do, but not on their own. Mm-hmm. So my my perspective on the sta- things like the standards and building the curriculum mm-hmm. series of documents, uh, and, and heggs 4, actually, are that these create the policy contexts mm-hmm to allow this sort of professionalism to flourish. But they're not enough on their own. So, you know, as a classroom teacher, if I just receive that document, Mm -hmm. that on its own does not give me autonomy and the confidence and professional knowledge and skills in order to operate in that way. And in order for that to happen, I think you need high-quality professional learning offerings in order to actually support growth in that context now they, those those documents are still important because without them you, you, you can't actually do the professional the professional learning won't be as productive if it's in a hostile policy environment if that makes sense so if we had a, a set of policy documents that were not in favour of the sorts of teacher leadership that we're talking about offering a teacher leadership programme would be a really really difficult there wouldn't yeah, be a huge true. uptake absolutely. and the people taking part would be incredibly frustrated because we would be pushing a message that was different to to the, the reality of their worlds mm-hmm. yeah. so I think they're really important but, um, but what we do need is, is that professional learning that goes with it that actually supports people to to, to develop their confidence in, in the way that's described in those documents absolutely. the documents on their own are not enough
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely And I think I think we're moving quite naturally on to our second question here. Obviously, you've um, been on a long journey for want of a better phrase here. In terms (laughs) of, uh, and you've reached a point now where you're actually leading the leadership of learning. Uh, And I think that point you made about leadership. Um, not not existing in isolation, and actually about building connections with people and being able to make connections, so that it leads to more sustainable progress. I think that was a really uh, um, important point that you raised there, and obviously scale contributes to that hugely. Um, I wonder if you could just explain for our listeners what scale is, what it is that you offer in terms of professional development, uh, and why you think it's important. So, I mean, it's it's fun. fundamentally a leadership professional learning organisation that's trying
2: to bring uh, an offering of leadership professional learning to every um, practitioner in Scotland uh, in education and early learning. And what that looks like is different in different contexts in terms of, in some places, we're bringing, trying to bring coherence uh, to things that are already there. And by, for example, I think I would put into that the idea of um, endorsing programmes. We've been uh, introduced a, pro- a process of endorsing programmes that are already out there and adding them to our, our scale framework for educational leadership. And also uh, we offer um, programmes in partnership some of the time. So I think into headship is a really good example of that where into headship is delivered by universities, by local authorities and by scale in, in different ways at different times, um, and that's a program for aspiring head teachers. But then we also offer other quite different programs because INTO Headship is a 60 credits uh, master's program, as is the program that follows it in Headship for your first couple of years in post as a head teacher. But then we have programs that we offer, such as the Teacher Leadership Program, which is primarily delivered by us um, using associate tutors, who for teachers who are out there aimed at
1: developing teacher leadership. And it's not master's credits. There's no qualification with that, and quite deliberately so, um, because of the feedback we received in the early
2: days. And also excellence in headship is, is probably quite similar to that in terms of it's a developmental programme with no qualification. So there's quite a mixed offering in terms of the programmes we offer, depending, we try and do a lot of talking to the profession When we're developing an offering, so that it's it's not an off the shelf, because into headship looks like that. Teacher leadership needs to look like that. We're not into that. We for each thing we're trying to meet the the meet the need. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that's important to mention is on that website, that framework for educational leadership. We're trying to offer lots of um, standing online professional learning offerings. These learning activities that teachers can engage with wherever and whenever. Uh, and that, to try and make better use of technology to support leadership professional learning. Yeah, and it was set up. It was one of the action points in the Donaldson report. So yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's that's where it came from. Um, and we, as a result of the, it's been, it, up until now. It's been a, a limited company given uh, by guarantee, so a charity. Uh, that's got a board but as of the 1st of April we're becoming we're merging with Education Scotland so that that, that there's a change coming there but with a view to taking what we're doing and making it bigger and and spreading it more widely. Quite
1: exciting and I guess we're big fans of the work that Scale are doing we featured the framework on on the uh, podcast before I think for me the thing I like about it is the complete flexibility that you have and and for me, that's my go-to place. You know, if I'm thinking about anything in terms of my own school, if I want resources for teacher leadership, um, then I would go to the framework or that website as a point of reference. Um, We're also involved in the collaborative middle leadership pilot program um, Uh at the moment. And I think the work around that, that, you know, practitioners are actually part of that change. It's not a kind of top-down approach. It's very much collaboration and, and getting the um, teachers who are in schools supporting that work and helping to shape it. So I think it's fantastic work. Um,
2: and and I think I mean the collaborative middle leadership it's it's still in that a uh, prototype stage so sure. it's not available to everyone yet. But mm-hmm. it's um a good example where you know what we're trying to do is say you know what are, what's needed and what's not not what's not already out there. Because we work in partnership, what we what we're not Um, what we don't do is sit and say, right, let's just churn out a middle leadership Mm programme. Because the danger of that is that you could be replicating uh, what's already out there And um, in terms of, you know, all the universities have got middle leadership programmes which feature as part of the the pathway, master's pathway for headship. But also a lot of local authorities have middle leadership leadership programmes. So what we're trying to do when we're looking to, to... put something new out is to say, you know, what would meet a need and and is not already available in in, in most places and, and collaborative middle leadership came out of that. And what's interesting about that program is as it's developing, is it's becoming clear how we can begin now to use the the redesigned framework as part of programs mm-hmm. to a greater mm-hmm. extent. And so, and my, my, I mean, what I find when I'm showing people the framework is that once you show them, what it really is and how you can use it, they're kind of blown away Um, but it just takes a bit of explaining so most people don't, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, you can't just plonk it in front of someone and and expect them to get it 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 needs a little bit of explaining um, in terms of its potential but then what I quite often get is a a really positive but reaction laced with negativity because they're kind of like, why have I not known about this before, (laughs) you know, why... Am I only hearing about this now?
0: (laughs) And that's normally the frustration that that I find that people have once they understand the potential of it. Mm -hmm. I mean it is such a fantastic uh, resource and I think it fits into this um, big change we're seeing in terms of a huge amount of online digital learning that that teachers can now do which sort of contributes to that flexible approach towards learning, everyone can do something really specific to them and can develop their own interests and needs and I think um, I've just got a bit of a question around digital learning I suppose for you, digital technology and digital learning is really important to us obviously um, scale are referenced um, quite a few times in the new um, digital strategy document in terms of um, there's a sort of responsibility that scale have for promoting digital leadership um, I just wondered if you could speak a little bit about that.
2: I mean I think what we've tried to do is to use digital as part of professional learning if that makes sense so mm-hmm. I think what some people might expect us to do which, we, which we don't really do is to do straight input how to use technology, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. We're a leadership professional learning organisation. And so what we try and do is offer um, the professional learning in in a digital way. So, I mean, the framework is a really big part of that. But also the teacher leadership programme is almost entirely delivered online through GLOW. Mm -hmm. And it's deliberately GLOW for a number of reasons. But one of them is so that it can have an effect where teachers say, do you know what? Actually, that's really useful. I could use that with my learners, and they have access to it. Um, so that that's a big part of it. We also have um, uh, a learning activity on the framework aimed at school leaders on how to lead digital learning mm. in a whole school context. Mm. Um, so, and so that's kind of where we're where we're at with with um, trying to support digital. But I, I'm a big believer personally in for teachers to use uh, digital tools confidently as part of learning and teaching what's more important than the how-to is believing that it's that it's beneficial
1: yeah
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think that's the bigger barrier because anybody can learn any especially nowadays because yeah, most sure. tech is quite um plug- and play yeah the actual bigger problem is is it worth the hassle mm-hmm. in terms of will it is it beneficial and uh, and for me a big a big winner on that front is making it beneficial for the learning of teachers. Mm-hmm. So, one of the big things we get back from the program is, oh, this blogging is brilliant and actually really easy, and oh, I could use this in with my with my learners. But it's not until you've seen the benefit for yourself that you start to think, oh yeah, I'll I'll make that extra effort and get the stuff out and person. Get put up with the initial issues with logins and stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah. because it's going
0: to be worthwhile, and I believe it's that worth it then. in the long run. Yeah, definitely.
1: Definitely. Okay, Fargo. I wonder if we can move on now to just talking a wee bit about Pedagoo. And at the beginning, you had mentioned that you helped set up, so it wasn't just you. Um, well, there's two things
2: about pedagog One is that I I helped set it up. It's uh-huh. a sort of a community thing, but also I've now. Completely stepped away from it, so okay. I've handed over. i I handed over the running of it a little while ago mm-hmm. to a, mo- a team of moderators. Um, but I've now completely uh, given them the domain name and the hosting and everything. So it's it's now completely separate, which I'm delighted about yeah, because, as I mentioned before, this was one of my failings in the past, and the idea that it can continue to run and and w- with not much involvement for me. Mm-hmm
1: makes me feel like I've maybe learnt a little bit about what leadership might actually be about. And and where where did that come about, the the need for pedigree, and, and what is it for our listeners uh, who maybe haven't heard of it? Yeah, I mean it's an online community of
2: teachers. It it it, it started out it's sort of a combination of things all come to coming together. One was a few of us had been blogging before Twitter came along. Mm-hmm. And actually Twitter was exciting at the beginning but then we started to miss the blogging so everything was short and so you didn't really get any depth of sharing and you didn't it was difficult to challenge every time you challenged someone it turned into an argument um, because it was too short and so that was one thing we felt maybe uh, people didn't want to have their own blogs anymore the way they wanted to in the early stages of the community, so we thought let's just make like one blog where everybody can post, but you sure. don't have to have your own blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was other parts of it as well. One something around the fact that we would go to and organise teach meets, which we love, and I still love. But at the end of the night, everyone would vanish and there was no like hanging together of that community. There was no way at the end of the night for people to say, oh yeah, I'll keep I'll, I'll keep being a part of this um, and I want to remain connected to this. Everyone would vanish into the into the evening. Mm-hmm. So we wanted a sort of 24-7 teach meet was kind of, mm-hmm. but also at the time there was quite a lot of negativity around Curriculum for Excellence.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and we were sort of feeling like we were uh, we were more positive about the change
2: than was being presented in the media. Okay. And we didn't have a voice because the people that were being asked for their opinion were not were not were not of the same opinion as us. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to sort of try and create a platform where we could sort of be positive, but in a sharing practice sort of way. Like, you know, look what's look what's possible, you know, look what's happening kind of thing. Um, so that's where it came from. And it, it started off as just a collaborative blog. And then we sort of introduced the idea of Pedagogy Friday, which is like yeah, I love that. short positivity at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of brought in this idea of longer form teach meets. Mm-hmm. So rather than seven or two minute presentations that you normally get a teach meet, we'd have 40 minute conversations on aspects of practice to try and go a bit deeper as a, not to replace, but as a, as a, as a variation in the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, it went a bit crazy, (laughs) uh, and sort of, we, uh, blossomed into England and huge amounts of activity. And I think
1: we, as a result of that, we, we, we lost a little bit of the community feel because it got so big and Mm it got too scary to share. Yeah.
2: Um, and so in recent years, we've tried to, the new team are all teachers in Scotland and it's kind of it, it, trying to refocus and regrow the community mm-hmm. in Scotland from from the bottom up and not worry so much about trying to fill the blog and, and focus a little bit more on growing a community. Um, and so the, the new team are really focusing on that with these new uh, Pedigree Muckle events. They've, there's been two. There's three more coming up really soon. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Trying to, and they've got a real emphasis on leadership in the sense of what happens after it is more important than mm-hmm. what happens at it. Sure. Uh, which is something I think that I didn't focus a lot on when when I was doing them. So, and it's much more friendly and uh, and relaxed. And I, am horrified at how highly strong I was. So <laughs> when I look back, um, I we can all relate to that. <laughs> but that it's, it so it's kind of moving amazing. in that direction. It's much more everybody in it together, and
1: mm-hmm. uh, so I'm really, I'm really pleased. Absolutely, and I think you know we had met before when you'd come to my school for our professional learning conference, and that's something that we're very keen to, to look at is the sustainability <laughs> and getting people. Contributing, so it's not always this idea that you know getting someone out with school, yeah. You, you have that expertise within your own environment and your own, yeah, um, context. And you had developed Can I say
2: something about that, yeah, before
1: sure, go for because it. I think I know what you're coming on to ask. But before you
2: go on to ask me the next question, I've had a I had brilliant conversations about this recently with groups of teachers that I was running a course for through the EIS, yeah. Um, it was like two Saturdays where they'd um. The first Saturday we talked about teacher leadership and what they might want to focus on in their practice. They went to Hawaii and took an inquiring approach to something in their practice, and then they came back and shared it. And one of the things that came up that at those that I hear again and again and again is that one of the mistakes we make is we over-focus on asking people to share mm-hmm. and, and trying to fill slots in a program like that. What we need to focus on instead is... Uh, encouraging and supporting and permitting in some instances Mm -hmm. teachers to focus on aspects of practice that they think is the priority for their learners Mm -hmm. and and through just giving them time space a process and support and permission to to do that what happens is that they get really really passionate Mm -hmm. about that aspect of practice Mm -hmm. they see the impact on the young people and they start demanding an opportunity to share it. Yeah, absolutely. And it completely flips it on its head. And there was a teacher recently was saying, look, I hardly speak in school and I'm really struggling. You know, I, I don't always speak up, but yet this has given me something that I feel able to stand up and talk about. But more than that, like they th- quite often feel that they have to yeah, for the absolutely. benefit of all young people, if that makes sense. And, yeah. and I think that's the real trick is not focusing on that, that getting people to share mm-hmm. but supporting people to focus mm-hmm. and, and that will take care of the latter and they'll actually be demanding an opportunity to share the great things that have happened,
1: if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I guess moving on to that nicely is your your work when you were um, in East Lothian um, Council around leading professional learning, you had said that you are very much into making sure that professional learning was available and you had developed... Quite a nice approach that that I shamelessly just pinched and used in my school um, around updating, introducing, applying, and inquiring around the categories of professional learning. How did you go about setting up that kind of culture and that that permission to for people to to share and give them space? I mean, I think this is this is.
2: Uh probably i'm a big believer in the idea of in-house professional learning growing opportunities for others and and one of the things i find think we haven't quite got to yet in scotland is really developing coherent in-house professional learning programs Mm -hmm. um which reach beyond the occasional twilight yeah
1: Yeah.
2: and the trouble is you know if you've been there even three years let alone 15 and you've been to that twilight then what what do you do and um so it's having some sort of progression is where that came from. So the idea that maybe when we offer twilights, we have a bit more progression so that they're not, you, you, there might be an introducing mindsets, but then the two years from then that might not be relevant anymore. We might need to start offering applying mindsets or inquiring into mindsets. That was the idea of that. We did get um, a bit of a, we did, as a result of making that more structured and more coherent, we did get some people offering to come forward and lead their, and offer sessions. But I think when I look back at that, I think the mistake I made was I didn't uh, involve the whole staff in the design of that process. Okay. Um, and we sat together as a small group mm-hmm. and planned it and and rolled it out, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I got caught up short... Because when I first joined Scale, I did a, an engagement on teacher leadership. And so I had this workshop session, which was finding out what people thought it meant and what was important about it and what we needed to do differently to support it. And I did it somewhere. And then afterwards, the person said, oh, do you know what? I'm going to take that process, but use it instead of teacher leadership on the profession, in-house professional learning offering, we'll get the whole staff. Involved in talking about that and what's mm-hmm. what we need, and I instantly felt, oh, that's where I went wrong mm-hmm. um, in terms of the design mm-hmm. and growth of that. And I think that's a big shift that I've made in terms of how we go about things. And I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a. I don't think I'm alone um, in this thing. We get caught up on and getting stuff done. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, we're trying to just get it completed to get the project. Yeah. finished, get the policy written mm-hmm. get the process out um, and what we miss is the growing people mm-hmm. and taking people with us and developing relationships and making sure everybody's on board and uh, that the, the, the leadership rather than the management Absolutely. of these initiatives mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah, and I think that's exactly. what we're, we're beginning to get better at and I don't think in the past we have always, And it actually comes back to also rather than saying who would be good for this job, we should be thinking who would learn yeah. from this mm. opportunity, if that makes sense. And we sort of were a little bit too focused through natural, uh, pre- you know, it's obvious with the pressures, time pressures that everybody's under. But the trouble is it comes back to bite us because three years from now we're back trying to reinvent that same thing yeah. because we didn't do it in a really coherent thought through involved sustainable
0: way that mm-hmm. involved Definitely. everybody yeah thanks for that for and um, one, one of the biggest sort of opportunities for me to develop my leadership and i'd say it's the biggest change uh, that i i took part in and the biggest change to my practice uh, was when i did a practitioner inquiry course at, at murray house and um, you were one of the tutors on that course actually oh, um, dear. <laughs> only got nice things to say. Um, but no, I think practitioner inquiry is such an important uh, approach. It's a, an important part of pedagogy. Um, and for me, as I say, it was, it's transformative and it's changed the way that I teach since doing that that course. I just wondered if you could speak a little bit about the importance of practitioner inquiry at, at, at all levels and why you think it's so important and why you think it's such a good approach towards learning and developing your own leadership. I mean, if, for me, it's fundamental
2: to everything that I've been talking about up till now, because you know if, if we if we say that particularly teacher leadership is developing practice in an informed way that meets the needs of young people and sharing that with others, that is practitioner inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I personally find it really transformational in terms of my confidence in terms of my ability to make learning relevant and appropriate and matching the, the, the needs of the young people. But all it, it did wonders for my mental health because one of the things I find is that people just feel swamped. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda Corrigan from Strathclyde does a great presentation on initiatives where every policy initiative feels is really important i mean they are really important things and but and from the person who's developing them and passing them over to the profession it feels like a gift like this re- this is so important and i'm giving it to you yeah. to take forward for the young people but the trouble is she then flips to a slide of like a teacher surround like covered in 300 gifts yeah, um, yeah. and that's how it feels and it's not that none of these things are important but the reality is 30 things can't be a priority mm-hmm. that that's yeah. a, an oxymoron so how do we actually prioritize and what people i find struggle to do that in a in a meaningful way it's kind of gut instinct inquiry for me allows people to actually think right th- this is one of the most important things right now for my young people in my practice and And allows that a coherent focus with confidence, and and not having to, and not feeling guilty. And it also then helps the the learning that arises from it. Share that sharing that with others then helps justify that focus to themselves more than anybody else. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. it alleviates any guilt that they might have had about having that focus. Mm, Definitely. So it it's fundamental. I think, but it's, the, the the problem is, it sounds and looks like another one of those gifts to a lot of teachers. Yeah. Where I genuinely believe, and it's hard because I would, wouldn't I, um, <laughs> but I genuinely believe it's a way of coping with that. Mm-hmm.
0: Rather than another one, I totally uh, agree. Yeah, it w- it was a way for me to make sense of everything. Do you know? It provided a context. So, d- d- despite the fact that I was looking at um, sort of assistive technology and how that can help with struggling writers, that. The the way that I could transfer that learning onto all elements of my practice, it helped me understand policy documents better. It helped me understand why research was important, uh, even assessment and why I needed to log and make a good record of everything I was doing. It really just helped me understand. Is I think it's a it's just a cornerstone of of my practice, and it's really helped me move forward with every development I've made. I would say. Uh, yeah, so.
2: and Kate Wall's writing great, doing great stuff at the minute. Professor, she's a professor at Strathclyde about marrying up the tension between inquiry as project and inquiry as stance. And I think you've just made that point beautifully. And this is something I've long felt is that by doing inquiry projects, we develop an inquiring stance Mm -hmm. in everything we do. And so they're not, it's not one or the other one and having an an inquiring stance helps you do better systematic inquiry projects. Um, And she's writing great stuff on that. And I, I, I think that's, that's brilliant to hear. Um, because there has been a bit of confusion, because it, the the danger is it becomes that that phrase that I I don't like is it's what we're already doing it's what we're doing already. Mm. And I used to hear that all the time at the outset of Krypton for Excellence, mm-hmm. uh, and I just felt well, why why don't why are you saying that? Because you know you're just that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know in terms <laughs> of how are we ever going to grow and develop if we think we're already perfect? Um, yeah. So. It's it's great to, he, to hear you think that, say that. But one of the big issues I find, I mean, I think programs like that are really really important and helpful. The you know because that was a university module. Yeah. But the the issue is the practitioner inquiry is in the standards for full registration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Therefore, it's a yeah, universal yeah. expectation. Yeah. And what my concern has been what where has been the where is the universal offering. Mm-hmm. because one of the dangers is if it's only something you can develop through master's modules, how is it also there in this, therefore in the standard for full registration that yeah. it needs to be, those master's modules are really important and have, have their place, but we need to have an offering that helps teachers to develop in practitioner inquiry, it, even if they're currently not able to engage with master's programs. Yeah. Um and that's what the teacher leadership program is. It's a it's a deliberately a non masters uh, program to help people develop an inquiring approach to practice. Uh, but there are uh, there are others, and and we need more of them. We need. I got a phone call uh, a little while ago from a school saying we're wanting to develop inquiry, but not inquiry. You know, not like masters inquiry. Mm-hmm. So not that, but yeah. something like that. Uh, and it's kind of this unintended consequence that we've that we've ended up with where. It has become defined by those programs, yeah. and therefore, mm-hmm. if you're not in, if you've not done one, or you're not doing, then it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really dangerous, given its potential, but also given that it's a universal expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we need more offerings that, that fill that gap and help teachers to develop an inquiring approach, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. um, even if they're not able right now to to, to do a masters. Yeah, I agree. So, Fargo, I'm going to kind of bring you on to the last question we have for you, and that's around um, leadership, just to, to tie things together. Um, we discussed a lot about the importance of leadership. It's littered in the standards and the hegeous, um Obviously, the introduction of scale as an organisation has helped bring leadership to the focus. If you could fast forward 10 years or, or so, what would you hope to see in terms of Scottish education, with a leadership perspective,
2: I mean it actually comes back to our last question. I mean, I think if everyone was confident in their in the leadership uh, role that they under that they were currently undertaking, mm-hmm. um, so not necessarily looking up to the next thing, but like the current leadership role in the classroom or as a middle leader or as a school leader, system leader confident to do the right things by young people and, and be informed in that and have evidence of that, the learning as ar- arising from that and collaborating and all of that, I think it, we, it would be quite a radical shift. And what I find, that word confidence, I mean, it's written off sometimes, but the reason I'm not prepared to write it off is, people write it off because what does it really mean? Um but yet it's the word that's used again and again and again, not just amongst classroom teachers, mm-hmm. but amongst school leaders, middle leaders, system leaders as well and, and confidence to know that you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. that this is the right approach, that it's having the impact you're wanting to have rather than relying off gut, gut instinct. Mm-hmm. That,
1: I think, is where we need to get to um, and, and, and that's why I'm a big believer in, in scale, not just because I worked
2: there, but I was a believer <laughs> in it before I went there because yeah. for me, the only thing that grew confidence was high-quality, long-form professional learning. Absolutely. That had the biggest impact on my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a master's, and that can't be the only offering. Mm-hmm. I think it is part of the mix, but when I was um, coming to the master's, it was because I, there was nothing else that I could find. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky that Charter Teacher was around at that time um, to help make it financially viable. Mm -hmm. So scale I think's real role is in that universal offering to help people to develop their confidence in that leadership role
0: that they're currently undertaking. Mm Brilliant, Fergal, Thank you so much. We could sit and talk to you for hours, but we want to be respectful of your time, uh, your an inspiration to both of us, uh, and all the work that you're doing with Scale and Scale in general. Uh, as I say, it's something that we are very passionate about as well. So we just want to thank you again for your time. Uh, no, thank
2: for you. you for having me, and well done for adding another voice
1: to the mix. Yeah, this is great. We've actually thank had you. quite a lot of kind of positivity, and it's been it's probably been quite overwhelming, I would say, because. I think to begin with, we were a bit like, oh, do you know what? If no one else listens, we just enjoy having a chat about stuff in education, you know? So we're getting something out of it. And the fact that people are, you know, listening and contributing is even better. And it's totally surpassed, I would say, our expectations at the moment. Yeah. But I mean, there is a huge positivity out there and yeah. there's a, a wealth of enthusiasm in Scottish education yeah. and every time
2: you, I go out there thinking oh this is going to flop it doesn't because yes. there's there's a thirst so well done yeah. and it's really. the, more, the more the better
1: Definitely Thank, Thank you me. so much Okay, now we're focusing on our We Recommend section In this section we pick something that has... Um, the potential to impact on our practice, and we hope you would want to look at it as well. So, Jude, this week you have picked Black Box
0: Thinking by Matthew Said. What is that? Uh, so, this is a book, um, it's a really interesting book that I've been reading at the moment. Um, It's called Black Box Thinking, The Surprising Truth About Success. Uh, And it's a really interesting read that takes an in-depth look at not only success and how success comes about, but also failure and people that learn from failure. Um, And it's a really, really interesting read. And for me, being able to make that connection in terms of my own professional practice and how that links into what I do, it's been been really fascinating Mm -hmm. for me. And is it focusing on
1: education, or is it available to apply to a number of different areas in business? Or
0: yeah, so it sort of, it sort of pitches itself um, being aligned to. Google and Team Sky or or even sort of individuals like David Beckham and it's trying to say what, what do all these organizations or individuals have in common and what they have in common is that they are black box thinkers and that's what the, the, the book okay. sort of professes. Um, so, so what is black box thinking? If I was displaying that, what would that look like? so it sort of links back a wee bit to our growth mindset episode in our first episode it's about looking at failure being able to learn from failure and having a really open honest relationship with with your failures and being able to talk about them openly and honestly but the most important bit is about being able to learn from them and having that sort of Um, he speaks quite heavily Uh, the book is made up with a range of case studies and looking at individual stories Um, and a big part of it is about looking at the aviation industry Mm -hmm. and what they do in terms of Continuous improvement and learning from their mistakes is is looking at things that go wrong and having a real no blame culture mm-hmm. when it comes to it. So it's not about creating a a feeling of I've made a mistake and I'm going to try and hide that and shy away from that because mm-hmm. I'm nervous about how that will mm-hmm. make me look. It's actually about this will save lives. This will have a, a, a big impact if I'm open and honest about that. And what you see in the aviation industry, I've done is they as a result of that, there's a huge amount of data that they can draw on because everybody shares openly their mistakes. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: So it's really quite interesting. I have been thinking a lot about that in terms of education and how that would be a really useful Mm -hmm. thing for us as educators to develop black box thinking. Mm
1: -hmm. And in terms of the aviation industry, it's around making sure that safety is paramount, isn't it? So people are going to come forward. They want to encourage that culture where people will come forward and say, hang on a minute here, I've made this mistake or this doesn't look quite right. And really there is no
0: room for just hiding away and, and not admitting when something goes wrong because that will cost lives, presumably. Exactly, yeah. So then I think it's it's about taking that type of thinking in a really high-stakes mm-hmm. industry, as you say, where, where lives are at stake. But I think actually we have a very similar um, profession mm-hmm. where, where lives are at stake and actually we need to be thinking of creating the best outcomes for learners. And I think actually on reflection when I'm listening to this book, and I must admit I've not finished yet. Yeah. But when I'm listening to it, I can't help but think about education and how we have an approach. Because teaching and education is very personal and it's Mm -hmm. about building relationships and you put a lot of yourself into that. So you can't you can't disassociate your own teaching with you as a person. I think Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to do that also makes it really difficult to accept failure, to admit to your failures, to have an open dialogue about your failures and I think actually the benefit of doing that, of everybody being able to come together to say this failed in my lesson today or this failed in my approach to leadership or this failed when I was speaking to a parent today and having that discussion to say look there's not a blame here, there's not anyone making me feel bad or belittling me about that. It's actually just saying, okay, how did that go wrong? How can we share that with as many people as possible so that we can all learn from that sort of collective wisdom rather than, and I've been victim of it myself where something goes wrong and I I can, just because it's a personal thing, my immediate reaction would be to try and cover it up maybe or to to not let people see that it was a failure or try and make it not a failure and turn it into a success. Mm And that's not what it's about. It's about owning these failures and mistakes, but also sharing that as widely as possible. And I just thought it was a really interesting uh, take on it and I thought it'd be really interesting for us. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm certainly going to look into it as well. And
1: if you're interested as well, Black Box Thinking by Matthew Said is available um, for download on audiobook um, and also to purchase from all the, the usual places.
0: And in our next feature is Inspired By, where we take a look at things that have inspired us. So, Jace, what has inspired you?
1: Well, I just this week spotted on Twitter um, that Engage for Education and Education Scotland are having a focus on 120 days of PEF. So that's the pupil equity fund. And the reason it's 120 is because... £120 million has been given to around 95% of Scottish schools additional money where schools can make a decision as to how they spend this additional PEF money. Um, And each day there is a school or a learning place that shares what they have spent the money on. Um, And you can follow and find out more using the hashtag PEFSCOT18. And one of the first uh, schools um, was just the beginning of... February just the other day, is about language skills and how they're developing that in the early years. And that was Redwell Primary School um, that are looking at that. So if you are a PEF school and you have been doing something really interesting, then contact um, Education Scotland or Engage in Education and tell them what you're doing.
0: And you could be one of the schools that feature um, in the 120 days of PEF. Brilliant. Thanks, Jace. So that's us at the end of our fourth episode. I can't believe it. I really can't believe we've recorded four episodes now. And every every time we record another episode, I just get more and more enthusiastic and excited about it. Totally. And
1: we've obviously set up our blog as well um, on WordPress. And we'd be keen to hear your views on that. You can get in touch with us. Um, and we've been overwhelmed by, by the, the people who've been really just so pleased that something like this is being added to the the landscape of Scottish education there's loads of other things similar out there um,
0: but we've just been overwhelmed with the positive feedback and I think another thing that's really made it seem more real for me has been the fact that there are people willing to come on and contribute. We had Kate last week and Fergal this week and I think listening to Fergal talk about leadership, talk about the various tools and resources that you can use to to enhance your own leadership was just really inspiring and I thought that was great and it's just made me want to speak to more and more people and get them involved in the show as well.
1: And we've got a few people lined up that we we will be bringing on to future episodes um, and loads that we've... We've not even discovered yet that we're quite excited about um, exploring, but certainly that's really helping us to engage in discussions about um, all things Scottish education. So, yeah, I guess get in touch if you're interested
0: in partaking uh, with the discussion and yeah. um, contribute on Twitter. Please do. I mean, it, it really does um, help fuel our massive egos if you tell us that you think we're, we're great. And actually, on that note, we're, this is a bit of a plea. Um, if you do listen to the podcast and you are enjoying the podcast, could you please leave a review on itunes and um, the podcast reviews really do a lot for um exposure for the podcast and then that would hopefully lead to more people listening more people contributing to the conversation so on one note it is very nice for jason and i when we get new <laughs> followers and we quite like nice feedback but also it will increase that scope and it will get more people listening and encourage more conversation and um, so that would be really helpful
1: okay thanks so much guys
0: thank you